So, Caleb, um, the other day you were talking about, you know, shipping and how that's finally been resolved. But I, I, I still got to know if we still have to do that thing <laughs> you mentioned yesterday. Do we do we have to reenact that scene from Goodwill Hunting? No, Ross, shut up. It's not your fault. I'll leave right now. It's not your fault. Shut up, Ross. It's not your shut fault. Up, Ross. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. In this episode, we're going to be talking about shipping and why it's the devil. Hey, welcome to Roleplaying Public Radio's Game Designers Workshop, episode 16, Shipping, comma, the devil. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like you have to say it exactly like that, including saying comma, because uh, you really, it's been fun. I mean, no, the opposite of that. <laughs> it's the exact opposite. <laughs> uh, but first off, we do have some news. Uh, Red Markets is now available in print and PDF. Uh, you can get it from Indie Press Revolution. We'll have links in this thing. You can get it for print and PDF for $50 uh, shipped from the U.S. Uh, so, uh, And then uh, you can get it just in PDF for $20 uh, at IPR. At, at IPR. Or uh, DriveThruRPG. Yes. Uh, and if you get it on DriveThruRPG, you can reveal it uh, on the site. Yes, so, that would be much appreciated. Yes, please do that. Uh, are backers getting a DriveThruRPG link, or are they just getting da- downloads directly? Um. I'm probably going to try and send out a link yeah. soon, but I don't know how to do that yet. I can help you with that. Uh, also, well, and additionally, all the backers have gotten the PDF already through Backer yeah. Kit. But uh, well, it's good but if I send the link out, they can do reviews easier. I just haven't figured out how to do it yet. Uh, I can show you how to do it. Drive through has actually good tools for doing that. Yeah. Um, if you just get a list of email addresses, you can paste it in and they'll send it out. Uh, and it's good because once it's associated with the drive through RPG account, if it gets deleted off your computer, you can just log in and download it yeah. again. And uh, now I, I know I should have put it on DTRPG sooner, but I mean, there was a period once the books were actually getting out into people's hands where, you know, I just needed to like drop to my knees and weep like <laughs> Andy Dufresne. Yeah, right before the end of Shawshank, <laughs> just in a puddle of filth. So yeah, this is not going to be the most cheerful of episodes, uh, but it ends in triumph. It does end in triumph. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it was. This is probably the last GDW for Red Markets, but uh, uh, well, well not the-, the last GDW ever. But for this specific project, I mean, I know I have stretch goals and whatnot. But yeah. They are all doing easier versions of the thing we have already done. Yeah. So, uh, you're also now working on – we can talk a little bit at the end about Party Foul, your yeah, next project. we're working on a new game. Uh, I'm yep. still working on a book for Upwind. And once I get that done, though, I'm definitely going to be focusing full-time on uh, Ruin. I finally know how to write that book. Uh, as I, If you can listen to my panel on uh, Gen Con that I recorded where I talk about it. Uh, but yeah, so this is sort of the – the last part of doing a Kickstarter project is getting the end product to the person who, who backed your project. And it's the absolute worst part. <laughs> it's the absolute worst part. <laughs> which is saying something after going through pre-press, there's which no, is also pretty terrible. There's no creativity involved. It's all business. It's <laughs> yep. all dealing with regulations and rules. And, and it's almost entirely out of your control. It's, it, it, yeah. yeah. So uh, how's that been going? Uh, it didn't go great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean – they're getting their books. They are getting the books. And their dice. And the dice, and they're all arriving on time. Yeah. And uh, that almost didn't happen. Let me count. One, two, three, four, five. On six separate occasions. <laughs> <laughs> that was almost a business-ending, bankrupting disaster in the last two months. Yeah. Yeah. So we averaged about three like no. mental breakdowns a month. 
Yeah, no, I've, I've had to go to your house a few times and kind of, <laughs> I'm sure Sarah's been doing a lot of that too. Yeah. Uh, and Spencer. Yeah. And, a blanket fort was involved once. <laughs> I, whew, it was rough. Yeah. It was real rough. So uh, I guess we just launch into the story, right? Yeah. So eventually we finished pre-press and we had the PDF done and I knew it wasn't perfect. Like we had to do a change log and we needed to mess stuff with that, but we wanted to open backer kit so people could pre-order the PDF because we were very close to finalizing the print uh, copy. And so I started it one, you know, bright day, you know, bright eyed, bushy tailed. I'd been working on it for a week, making sure I knew how backer kit worked and how all the shipping tables get set up. Cause basically what you have to do is you have to set up your regions and then from your regions you have to enter the book specifications and get uh print quotes uh, not print quotes but uh shipping quotes from various locations and then you have to see what it's going to cost to go to that region and so once people enter their address on the survey it will automatically quote them a print cost that would get them the product to their area um so i built that and yes i knew that the shipping costs were very high and yes i saw that but i'd also communicated that through every part of the process saying that they for even up into the distributor before the kickstarter finished like we knew the distributor we knew where it was located from we knew how much the book was going to be it was bigger than expected but not that much bigger it's not like we went from a 20 page pamphlet to a <laughs> 496 one we went from yeah. a, we went from a 400 page book to a 496 page book um so i opened it up on backer kit hoping people would be thrilled to get their pdfs all kind of stuff. So then the death threats started rolling in. So um, Fred Hicks famously once said that you can either refuse to ship to international backers and piss them off. You can ship to international backers for how much it costs to ship to them and piss them off. Or you can can ship them at your own expense, lose an enormous amount of money. See, I found a fourth option. I found a way to piss off all my international backers (laughs) and lose money. So, you know, I really take that, Fred. <laughs> Evil hat. You think you know everything. <laughs> I found the the, the, the fourth loophole. way. Yeah, the yeah. loophole. You yeah. can you can do you, you can have it all. You're, you're speed running it. <clears throat> yeah. So the cost to ship out of the US was enormously expensive because it was always going to be. Um, but I explained that and I assumed everyone wanted the game enough that they were okay and had basically Googled that. My first flaw. Um, I also should have figured out an international shipping solution earlier. That I blame that on my inexperience. Um, I figured that it would be more expensive in the long run, and I was correct in that assumption because when you ship from an international fulfillment house, if you ship everything from there, then you have to take whatever book is left and ship it to wherever your distributor is, which in my case, it would make sense to be in the U.S. Um, <clears throat> so that was expensive. And then if you use both, you have to split your shipment away from your printer, which is an enormous pallet of books on a separate sea journey, which is also enormously expensive. But I should have factored that into the Kickstarter cost at the very beginning. But I was inexperienced and didn't do that because you got to remember, this was originally a POD project. Yeah. Uh, I was figuring out print run stuff as the Kickstarter was running. So we did that. Um, so within the first, I don't know, 48 hours, uh, I'd been threatened to be killed. Uh, I'd been threatened to be raped. My loved ones had been threatened to be killed and raped. Uh, I had people looking up my house. 
I had uh, people th- on the light end of things threatening to sue me, swearing to never speak to me again, you know, swearing to, you know, curse my names to the end of the earth, c- comparing me to Ken Whitman, um, you know, everything. Uh, so thanks, International Beckers, uh, that didn't do that. I yeah. appreciate you for not going insane when after two hours I already said I'm going to look for a solution to shipping things. I didn't know it was going to be this big of a deal. That was ironic. That was naive of me. But I'm sorry, and that did nothing to assuage anyone's complaints. So um, I, I'm not going to lie. There was a period of grief there. Like Kyle and I had worked for two months straight over the summer, and Cat uh, on the back end. I was just Kyle was the main guy. I was telling at a comma here that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So we'd work tirelessly. Uh, the PDF was big. It was huge. It was it looked great. It was indexed. And we just slammed through it because school was coming up. And it was the week before school. And I was expecting, like, I needed a victory lap. Like, <laughs> I needed a, I needed a, you did it! Like, and it ended up being, like, <laughs> one of the most daunting, horrible experiences of my life. <laughs> so uh, that was really rough. Uh, yeah. That, no, it... Uh, everything else that came after it sucked as well, but nothing sucked as bad as that first round. Yeah, so. it's about expectations, and yeah, having that happen is just yeah, it was a big fall. Um, but that said, many people in RPPR were great and wonderful. Uh, you know, Jeremy Fish, especially. You know, I really appreciate you know all that you've done, and uh, a lot of people in the group me were very supportive. Um, and so I, I, I'm not saying that it, in the general that was the reaction, but yeah. you know. When they're, threatening, when they're threatening uh, to murder you yeah. over, you know, the U.S. postal system, yeah. uh, it, it's it's a matter, of course. Now, um, and it, I want also want to be clear, I never feared for my safety or the safety of anyone else. If you're the kind of, you know, bullshit Euro trash coward that's going to, you know, whine to me in a Kickstarter comment about you're going to murder me or shoot me an email from an anonymous account. Um, you're not the kind of asshole that can afford a plane ticket, not to mention yeah. <laughs> have the balls to come to Missouri or any country, any any state in the U.S. that has this many guns. Like, you're not going to do that. You're, no. <laughs> you're, you're an idiot and a coward. But uh, I never thought that was going to happen. It was just that, like, oh, I I'd hoped someone said, I like the game. But yeah. it just became like, fuck you, you scamming schemer asshole. So uh, I sought to find a solution. Uh, we ended up going with Kickstew. They are the people that helped save Chaosium when they decided to make, you know, Horror in the Orient Express uh, 18 pounds uh, to ship. And uh, they were recommended to me by Arc Dream and Pelgrane. So that worked out well. Um, and But what it, what it ended up doing is that I had to end up going through Backer Kit, deleting all the former shipping tables and thank god we hadn't charged anything yet which backer kit does not like you to do because it's not wise yeah then i had to rebuild all of the shipping stuff based off the uh kicks to uh, cost formula for weight to various countries and then i also had to rebuild all the u.s stuff from the same way um so that took some time not to mention the time it took to shop around. So I was shopping around with fulfillment services in the, in the UK and in Europe in general before I got the best price. Um, and I went with that, but there were other, uh, a lot of other really nice people, games quest and the stevium talked to me and gave me quotes and they're, they're very cool. And I'd like to work with them in the future. But, um, 
yeah, it was just this frantic thing. Like school was starting, I was basically restarting the shipping process from scratch, mm-hmm. and uh, trying to get it all figured out. So we ended up getting figured out. Uh, then I posted the update. So my, which is basically a, uh, as Spencer said, a, a point by point argumentative essay yeah. about why shipping costs exist the way they did. And so, because uh, I took uh, that took a long time to write. That was time not spent writing scenarios or novels because you know I had to painstakingly do what I thought everyone could do and Google shit. So I basically what my mistake was thinking was that a the price point was something that people realistically had in their head. Yeah. And then my second one was that when the price point wasn't something they realistically had in their head, they might give me as this being my like my fourth project or something and yeah. I, me communicating as much as I have in the Kickstarter. They might give me the benefit of the doubt and at least Google what the price would be through yeah. the US Postal Service. And I got neither of those. Those were both naive of me. So I basically ended up doing it all for them. Uh, and that's when I famously said that customer service for assholes is over. Yeah. Um, and I and at that point, I got no more comments because all of the death threaters had either pieced out and given me their book for free, in which case, thanks. I look forward to reselling it, burn in hell forever. <laughs> uh, and or they had uh, apologized in a few instances, in which case, I don't accept it. I hope you enjoy your book. Fuck off. Because, uh, you know, that was untoward and not yeah. worth it. So um, I, I posted that and then we started to work on, on getting that done. Uh, so the problem with that is that I ended up spending thousands and thousands of dollars to split the shipment up and one had to go to the UK and the other had to go to Nevada. Uh, so that's where the IPR warehouse is. Yeah. So, um, we basically finalized the print. They did the print run. We got the advanced copies on the way. They didn't arrive for a while, but they knew how to do the shipping. We recalculated a final quote for the shipping, and they started printing. Like So while that was going on, I was looking at the backer kit, and we it, the backer kit was charging for pre-orders, and the backer kit was charging for uh, shipping, right? Mm-hmm. So the thing is is that when you charge shipping through the Kickstarter for the dice, which I did, because the plan for the dice was to always use one international fulfillment service mm-hmm. and one U.S. fulfillment service, which meant that I had to package the dice myself. And that means I had to pay to have them shipped to me as a mass of 7,000, 8,000 dice. You were there during yeah, the I dice packing that. parties yeah. when we'd watch movies and just pack dice. Um, and then I had to split those up and I had to ship another massive package diced to Nevada. That was the $5 for shipping for us because I had to ship an enormous crate of like, at this point, I think it's, it's like 11,000 dice total like <laughs> to, uh, to IPR. Yeah. And then I had to ship another enormous crate overseas, the $10 shipping charge during the Kickstarter. So I could get it to the fulfillment service. Now, the original plan was just to throw the dice into the book so there would be no additional dice yeah, charges. part of the same thing. So it would be just the same shipping charge. So what happens, though, is that uh, when you calculate backer kit costs, any money that goes over the pledge level gets factored into the shipping level. 
Mm-hmm. So if it's if it's a fifty dollars shipping, right, mm-hmm. and you paid fifty five, and it's eight dollars shipping, it will charge you three dollars instead of eight dollars, which puts me short on shipping. Oh, I see. Which would be so I got a credit card and expected to go bankrupt there because yeah. I calculated that and that was a bunch of money I didn't have. But um, having learned that, thankfully, it, it worked out because I did something, you know, business smart. If not, I rounded up. Yeah. So shipping ended up being like seven twelve or something. And I'm sorry I charged eight, but it's the only reason Heaven on Game still exists. Yeah. Because that rounding up in the mass made up for the, the dice cases I was short on. And then um, it, it ended up being, uh, yeah, so that that's the reason we're still alive nowadays, even though I ended up paying more out of shipping. And I didn't want to recharge everyone again after the shipping fiasco. So um, we kept that in there. So, um, all right. So that ends up not being a disaster. I thought it was. But then the books end up being <laughs> four weeks late. <laughs> And they're just some and like when you and when books are late like that from Hong Kong, they're just somewhere in an ocean like you have (laughs) no means of understanding where they're physically at. So again, where it's like September or so by now, I'm deep into school every day. They're like, haven't arrived yet, still waiting. Where are those books? And I'm checking tracking, and tracking's like, I, pfft, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. It could, and so they could be at the bottom of like a fucking trench or something. So that nightmare, the the Merchant of Venice nightmare that I told you about, where I just imagine all of the boats sinking uh, and wake up screaming in the night. Um, so there was, that was another fiasco, like waiting for this to shoot a drop. So the books arrive, they give me the final shipping quotes. They're better than I thought I would be. And with the pre-orders and other stuff, we not only make a little money enough to get started on stretch goals, we're, we're doing good. All right. So at this point, the UK fulfillment service calls me and they have pictures of the books and they've got these Three books that have the front cover does not fully overlap the book cover, and you can see the first page while the front cover is closed because they have defective binding. And at which point the UK says, This is the first box of books we opened. If this is true for every book, about 10 to 20% of your entire book shipment is bound wrong and can't be sold. So I start doing the math on that for a print run of 2,250 books that would have to be reprinted and then resent before we could start and resent to two locations now for that. So basically what ends up having to doing, I have to start paying for a spot check for everything in the UK and everything in IPR, which means I have to pay someone to go through individually every box of books across like four pallets worth and mark whether the binding is correct or not. So I'm talking to the printer about what they will and won't print. They're, they're, they're freaked out because they want the quality to be good, but like there's certain stuff they will cover cost-wise and they will not cover cost-wise. Like, so they'll, they'll reprint them for free, but I'll be shipping them again, which is, again, like a container on a cargo ship. They're not fucking cheap. Um, and so I'm freaking out about that. Uh, and so then I'm told from the UK guy, it was just the first box of books and of the shipment that they got of like 600 or 700 or something, they found five that were defective. 
and of the IPR shipment, they didn't find anything. So it's just just the wow. It was so of that. all the boxes of books he could have opened first, yeah. they all got put in one box, and they were the top box. <laughs> and so that was two weeks of disaster because I'm paying someone to individually fucking check every single book and and slowing down fulfillment. So that crisis is averted. <laughs> So books start going out with dice, and then I'm told from the UK fulfillment service, doing through the you know arcane labyrinthian shipping laws of the EU, it will be cheaper in most instances to separate the dice from the book. And I'm like, are you sure? Like the, <laughs> the entire principle was that the book was be large enough that you could nestle the dice into the binding, and they would not damage the book. And thankfully, that ended up being the case. Um, and you can ship them as one package. He's like, no, it'd be easier to do it this way, and it'll cost you less money. I'm like, well, you're the expert. By all means, do that. So then, <laughs> as books start arriving, I'm in Metatopia, and this is the victory lap I was hoping for. Like, People are asking to see it. People are coming up and asking me to sign it. Like other designers are like, "Oh, you're the red markets guy." Like <laughs> I'm being recognized. It feels fucking great. The unboxing, the the pictures everyone took, like gave me life. Just just as wonderful as it could possibly be. Uh, and so <laughs> that is absolutely wonderful. And then I get the email from my international distributor saying that. The dice are not CE compliant. We can't ship any of them. You're going to have to refund everything. And what does CE stand for? CE stands for um, Conformite Internet, like uh, European or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's French. Yeah. Uh, So a CE marking is a, a safety marking for packaging of toys and other items in the EU. And it's and it's a sound idea because, you know, you don't, you want, don't want kids swallowing dice. You don't no. want like stuff like that. And so what you have to do is you have to pay to get your items certified that they're not made of like lead or something horrible. And then you have to get your packaging certified. So I find that out an hour before my first play test of Party Foul at Metatopia. And he's like, you have to refund it. Uh, I didn't see this before. We'll make it right. We'll give you this much money. And I actually figured it out. Well, here's the thing. I can't charge $10 for shipping the dice to me, packaging them, and then reshipping them to Europe, and then reshipping them from the European film house to your door if no dice will ever be arriving. So he's like, well, you got to refund the price of the dice, as if that's all that I've charged. And so I'm like, okay, so this is going to be like five grand. Great. So... Metatopia becomes about playtesting party foul, which was great, and also asking anyone who's ever shipped anything what the fuck I should do. So the basic idea is that I could do these number of things. I could get them um, CE certified, which would mean paying 120 euros per test to get them fully tested. How many tests? Uh, that's the thing. You pay 120 euros whether you pass or not. Yeah. So however many times it would take to get them to pass. 
Um, I also called chess X because they're chess X dice. I didn't like go with some shady dude in the back like, hey, kid, you want dice for your <laughs> Kickstarter? Why do they glow? Don't worry about it. Like, it's it, it, it's chess X. Like, they have operations in, in Germany and in the UK. So, like, if they're not CE compatible, if they're made of, like, poison or something, they already have problems before I bought them. So I call ChessX, and they give me all the safety information, and the guy's like, no, that's not enough, because it has to do with the packaging, and the packaging is just a Ziploc bag and tape, because I didn't expect it. I didn't want the dice to look pretty. I wanted them to be functional for playing the game. I wanted the book to look pretty. Yeah. So I send those out, um, and I do a bunch of research on it, and so I'm trying to read these, like, I'm Google translating French laws. I'm... Talking to anybody I can possibly find, like just utter. I, I I think I slept three hours in New Jersey across four days, just between like doing all the Metatopia stuff and hanging out with Spence, and then like on every spare moment on my phone trying to get a degree as a trade officer in the EU. So uh, I'm talking to all these people, and and some things are right about. So I could try. I could pay to get them tested. Enormously expensive. They're probably not going to pass because the packaging's not going to pass. I could pay I could send them back to Chessex for a refund and then rebuy my dice from a European thing. But that doesn't work because the packaging doesn't work. I could refund them to Chessex, buy my dice, pay Chessex to repackage them, but then I would have to pay Chessex to repackage them, but they do packaging on a separate facility that they outsource to. So then I'd be paying two companies to rebuy the dice I already own. Or that probably wouldn't work either because they don't sell five red D10s and five black D10s. That's not a packaging they've ever had. So then I would have to ref- send my dice back to ChessX, rebuy my dice from ChessX, pay ChessX to send them to the packaging facility, pay ChessX to design a new piece of packaging for that facility, pay the facility to package the dice within that packaging, then pay the EU to recertify that brand new dice packaging before I, then I pay the packaging thing to resend it back to the fulfillment house, and then I pay shipping to send it out to everybody. So every solution starts at like lose five grand and goes up from there. Jeez. So we're at a we're at a meeting and uh, with uh, a, a and a panel that I I kind of hijacked and I feel yeah. bad, but it was the business of gaming and it was one of the few non recorded panels at Metatopia because they wanted to be candid about everything and Marie Poole uh, of Apocrypha and a bunch of other games uh, was there holding the panel and they were giving good advice and then it came time for questions and it was kind of crickets as you sometimes get in panel yeah, yeah, yeah. and so then it became the re- <laughs> so then it became a case study of Caleb's dice problem because <laughs> my <laughs> hand shot up I'm like alright here's where I'm at yeah. talking with all of these professionals for the game industry and we're just spitballing ideas everybody's got their phone out it was seriously like 45 minutes of the panel was just me and Spencer hijacking questions about how the fuck we get these dice to people so eventually it turns out that the dice will never be CE compliant right but they don't have to be because they're CE compliant if they're toys but to be toys I would have to be reselling them which I never did I would have to sell them by themselves which I never did they were exclusively extra rewards to go in accompaniment with the book that you can't buy them on their own um, I would, and I would have to be marketing them to people under the age of 14, <laughs> which, you know, it has fucking economics in the title. 
Uh, 500-page book with a lot of text. Yeah, kids love that. Supply and demand curves. Yeah, exactly. It's what all the cool kids are doing (laughs) on the streets. Uh, Yeah, so... So I'm just like, oh, so it's not an issue, right? And so I explained this to the guy. He's like, no, it's an issue. I can't ship them. I'm like, okay, fine. So I find another fulfillment service. I'm like, okay, here's how it's going to be. You ship them to them, and then we're done. And I will pay them to ship them out to everybody. Because it would still be like losing a couple grand, but it would still, because I'd have to pay their shipping costs, and they were higher than the other ones. Uh, But... It would be, you know, better because yeah. I wouldn't be paying five grand to piss people off. Yeah. Uh, which is what the situation I was put in before. And guy's like, no, that's still illegal. I'm the importer of record. So eventually it came down to a level of like, I'm going to ask this guy to drop these dice on a corner and look away. <laughs> like, it's going to have to be like dead dropping these dice so he can have plausible deniability for shipping them because I can't convince him it's illegal. So eventually it comes down to a, uh, he stays up late, thankfully, so we can have a Skype call. And what it ends up being is that there was a trade officer in the building while he was packaging the dice and he said, you can't ship those. And so even though I've made a very strong case as why it should be illegal to ship these uh, because the trade officer saw bags of dice without any knowledge that it was a game for economics, not aimed at anyone 14, impossible to buy unless you were 18 or above due to Kickstarter and Backer Kits rules, uh, marketed to people who like economics and zombie films, not children, uh, not available for resale. He didn't know any of that extenuating circumstances, but he just just say no. And so the guy's afraid that... Um, if he ships them, it's seeing this flaunting the law, like speeding with a cop right behind you, and he doesn't want to be in that. And so I understand he's got his business he's got to do with that. So I'm like, well, can we get the trade officer on the phone and maybe explain the situation to him more fully and see if it's still illegal before we do other stuff? So he's like, all right, we'll try that. And then after that, the plan was to him to ship the dice back to me. Then I would have to ship the dice back to Europe for to someone that would not be afraid to ship them and chip them out. So that's been all last week. Uh, Just the full week of uh, waiting for that Skype conversation to come through every day. Did you talk to him? No. Did you talk to him? No. Friday rolls around. I'm like, did you talk to him? And uh, (laughs) he says, yeah, uh, we shipped them all out today. (laughs) What? (laughs) And I was like, wait, what? He's like, yeah, it was completely fine. They're all gone already. And I'm like, uh, so I have a contract that I haven't signed yet with these other people who are going to ship the dice for me. That's going to be an awkward conversation because uh, they were very nice and very helpful. And I have screwed them out of business because the dice that I was going to resend to them to reship have now. It wasn't like, it's okay, we can send these to these other people. It was like, it's okay, they're all gone now. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, well, I mean, there's worse solutions, but... Okay, so it ended up costing me nothing except a month and a half of emails and extensive research into CE, you know, EU shipping laws. laws. So, like, uh, basically, all of November went into emails. What changed his mind? Uh, he talked to the trade officer, and he explained to the trade officer that, like, oh, yeah, there's all of these requirements that would you would need to qualify you for making CE qualification a, a must, and this game... And these dice fulfill literally none of them. 
which, you know, I, I asked before, I said if I was going to ship these dice. I didn't do uh, research into CE, but I did research into, like, well, where do I get dice that are legal? Is it okay to ship dice like this? And everyone had said yes, and apparently everyone still says yes because it's still completely legal. But we had a temporary moment where we thought it might be illegal, and that killed a month. Like, And so I have not been writing on the novella because my every spare second is reading what I can find of international trade law on the internet, trying to understand it, and writing lengthy emails <laughs> – to everyone I can talk to internationally and nationally about this dice thing. And so uh, <laughs> that's finally resolved. That's finally good. The book is for sale on IPR. Uh, we're all good to go. I'm getting ready to write an update about dice are on their way. People are getting their dice already and emailing me. I was going to do that this weekend and post another link to IPR. And now IPR has been down for the last four days because they have a hosting issue. <laughs> So the book is not available for sale to anyone. Except PDF on DriveThruRPG. Drive RPG until IPR gets their website back up. <laughs> so <laughs> what the shipping thing tells should tell everybody is that um, we were early, and we still were early shipping red markets, and we still have been early. Um, and unless something happened in the Postal Service, which, again, I, I haven't controlled any part of this process, but I don't control that either. Um, books are coming out, and they should arrive before December, uh, or, or early December, and that's when we promise the physical books, the physical rewards yeah. to be out. So we're on time, if not early. But my original early plan was August, and now we're barely getting it done into November, and there's still issues coming up. So if you've ever wondered why Kickstarters are late, it's because there is this – once you start the process, uh, either due to your own ignorance of the process or just bizarre shit-ass luck, there's this endless string of, like, catastrophes or near catastrophes. So I had six near catastrophes that would have just driven us under because we are not – we're not kicking it at seventy-two grand of Kickstarter money left. Like yeah. it's a big, expensive book. We can maybe do a budget episode later once I get my taxes all right and, and yeah. calculate everything. But a lot of it went into the book. A lot of it went into shipping the book. Like an enormous amount of money. I've got enough money to start on stretch goals, but I've had no ability to work on stretch goals. Like I can't write when like people are like, "I'm going to murder you and everyone you love," or I can't write when I'm like doing 15-page Kickstarter updates that are, like, breaking down, like, how postal systems work. And I can't write when I'm writing 20-page e of emails, like, arguing over international trade law. And that's all my life has been this entire semester, in addition to teaching a full-time job. So I, I will admit I am drastically behind on stretch goals because, like, I have other people writing stretch goals, too, and I can't get the time to write their contracts to get them started. And I also couldn't have – I also didn't have uh, – not like, I've been told – poor Laura. I've been like, contract's coming for the novella. I've got two chapters left, and I've been saying that for four months. Like, and I'm normally pretty on the nose about that, but, like, I can't get the time to write a one-page contract to get somebody started on something else because um, – I just can't clear the minute in my schedule. I've had to quit gaming for the mm -hmm. most part, like because of that. And then um, it's just brutal. And then, addition to that, when I can find the time, I can't do it because during these six near misses, I didn't think I'd have any money to pay anybody. And I'm not a person that's going to pay somebody on exposure for writing for me or, or beneath 
rates or anything like that. So like buying art, buying editing, buying layout, buying all that other stuff um, has been just, you know, nuts. And I'm like, well, I don't know if that money's going to be there. Um, and now I'm pre- frankly certain, but like, I'm frankly certain at this point, and we're we're you know four months down the line, and this is like a literally a revelation I had thirty seconds ago. I've been delaying this. Uh, I probably should have delayed doing this even longer because, like I said, in September we could do the shipping thing because it's about over. And at this point, I just got tired of it, and we're just going <laughs> to record it anyway because it's. I don't know if it's over. It's just yeah. one. It's just one thing after another. So. Um, if you ever wonder why Kickstarters are late, it's because, you know, this endless string of near misses and catastrophes. Yeah. If you ever wonder why they don't meet at all, it could have been any one of the things could have killed this project. Yeah. Um, and then another reason as to why it might be expected late, I found that the solution to all these issues is almost always wait longer. Mm-hmm. Like, the day I launched the backer kit, I'd waited a while, and I really wanted to do it. And there was an element of my brain... That said, fuck it, it'll be fine. Yeah. And it wasn't fine. And after that, like, I before I posted the update, the whole time I'm getting like harassed by assholes on Kickstarter and on Twitter and all that kind of shit. Um, you know, I really wanted that to stop, but I didn't have a solution engaged, and so I kept on waiting. And then once I had the solution locked and ready to go and contracted and paid for. I really wanted to like move on, but then I'm like, well, now I need the most reasoned argument I've ever made to carefully explain what happened to everyone and be clear. And so I, I did a like three or four drafts of that. Like um, the dice thing, like I could have freaked out and threatened to sue like the second I heard about it and I was thinking about it, but like that's not a good way to maintain a relationship. And it turned out not to be an issue at all. And so I had to wait, and but that's a month. So, like, the solution to all these things is almost always wait longer, read more. And when you're waiting on your stuff, that can seem like people are dilly-dallying, but it's, it's not. Like, you, you have to – if the books aren't in the ocean, you don't panic. Like, you just wait for the ship to land. Like, if the, the shipping charge is, is, you know, big and you've done the numbers and it looks like it's going to be catastrophic and put you into debt – you need to wait until you get the actual quotes come in and then you can see all the stuff that, you know, with your pre-orders and all that kind of stuff. So it's just, the answer is always wait longer and that's the only way it survives. Um, we, we lucked out in being super early, but like I remember during the Kickstarter when people were giving me shit talking about a year to deliver and I'm like, holy shit, could you imagine if we'd been like, well, no, we'll get it done by summer. Yeah. Like we'd be we'd be 5 months late by now. Like just cuz even if we did everything right, even if we got everything done yeah. on time, we'd we'd still be drastically late. And so the the year thing was like, well, I hope to get earlier than that and then I shot for earlier than that and then I hit the mark for earlier than that and it's still barely on time. Right. <laughs> yeah, so it's uh it's a monster, man. It's brutal. Mm-hmm. Um we're currently working on a party game called Party file. Yeah. Uh, it's got, you know, basic card game mechanics and, and tiles. But yeah, like I've learned so much. Like I'm going to have to get this thing tested in a laboratory to make sure the cards aren't made of polonium or something. <laughs> like, uh, you know, there's all sorts of stuff I didn't know that was necessary that is absolutely necessary. And then I'm already looking at stuff like, 
ISBNs are expensive enough, but we found a way to do it by going through Canada because the uh, IGDN is a Canadian company, and so you can do it through that and not pay Bowker $200 for one ISBN. Uh, It's $250 for 10. Yeah, it's still stupid for a number. I bought bought a thing of 10. I still have like half of them. Yeah. (laughs) But Canada is just like, you want one? Here it is. Yeah. Because they are a functioning country, um, and uh, so we had to get that. But that's different than like um, getting a UPC code, which is even more expensive, and that's like five hundred for one. Like, and then it's uh, you got to do that for every separate product on a line, and then value added tax VAT is something you have to calculate when you ship physical goods in the EU. So I had to pay yeah. taxes on digital the, goods too. Now, yeah, so I had to pay taxes to the EU for dice that for a month and a half or so it looked like. Well, actually, a month I had to pay. Ta- I had already paid taxes to the EU for dice that looked like I was not going to be able to ship through the EU. So that was you know nuts. So um, as we go into the GDW, the the physical requirements of creating a board game or card game of any kind is going to be another you know enormous learning process. But, yeah. Um, yeah, and and keep in mind, I shipped two things. Like on the grand total of thing, I shipped book and dice with book. And it almost broke me on six separate occasions. Those Kickstarters are like, we'll give you a shirt. We'll give you a poster. We'll give you a key ring. We'll give you like every one of those things is just this exponential increase in nightmarish financial disaster. Like that's just waiting for you. Well, the thing is you're you're going through a process that um, is essentially you're doing – like I've been saying, you've been doing the work of a 10-person company by yourself. And you're doing it well, uh, uh, all things considered. Like I mean like it's getting out there. It's a quality book. The dice are getting out. Like – the companies. The thing is with Kickstarter, I think a lot of the uh, certainly the backers have they can't tell the difference between a one person or a you know two person operation versus you know uh, uh, a slick ten person company that has experience that they you know if the, these kind of ability these kind of things like dealing with EU shipping laws, uh, dealing with fulfillment houses, dealing with contracts are so hard. Like it's so hard to get experience doing this. It's so yeah. hard to learn about, like you can do all the research you want, but like most articles talking about this, most material you can read on the internet is very generalized and very basic. It's not this esoteric dark art that you can only learn through hard tears and sweat. You know, and it's also like getting yeah. experience as a sword fighter. Like, yeah. well, that would have been a learning experience, but you got stabbed in the heart. Exactly. So, or like, it, but you go bankrupt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, so surviving long enough to learn it is, Brutal, and like a ten-person company has like you know better financing, they can absorb these kind of costly lessons, or they can hire people who have earned this experience, and so you can't. So that's the thing. I think the ultimate lesson of doing a Kickstarter is that you you will never be fully prepared until you've gone through it. Um, yeah, and it's just it's going to there's going to be heartache along the way. How much is variable, and a lot of it's out of your control. Like yeah, and to be clear, like. Um, I don't want to say Hebedon Games. Sword Fighter is, thing I really love. That is the, like the perfect <laughs> yeah. analogy for this. Yeah. Uh, uh, Hebedon Games is like I don't want to make the uh, I don't want to make the claim that it's all me. Like because you know that book doesn't exist with just me. Like you wrote big sections of it, and Laura wrote big sections. I couldn't have made it through that D one hundred table. Um, <laughs> the art is completely beyond me. With you know at least a dozen fantastic art like yeah, Kyle did Presmac, the layout, yeah. Uh, Cat, Kyle. Uh, Patsy, James, Kim, mm-hmm. Chris, Michael, like tons, tons of fantastic people. Daryl. 
uh, yeah, Daryl, uh, yeah, like so many, it's hard to remember their names. Like, uh, so, but here's the thing: like in outsourcing help, I've outsourced the help on everything I can't do so like when my writing started to fail i only then had outsourced writing Mm -hmm. and the majority of those 496 pages are from me and i wrote more than 496 pages to get 496 pages like editing i outsourced to laura but like art i entirely outsourced the second thing but like the shitty work like pack dice uh (laughs) look at spreadsheets uh research esoteric eu law like much like writing the book, that's the way my company survives is by not paying payroll on that. And I don't want to be a monster and do that for other people. So I do it for me. And like what you don't realize until you get to the shipping phase is that that is a job in and of itself, like a yeah. full time job. If you put out enough products, someone could easily spend 40 hours plus a week doing that shit. Oh, yeah. And um, earn their pay. Yeah. And so that's why I'm kind of partnering with Spencer. On, well, there's more than one reason. I really like the game and I really like hanging out with Spencer and we're working on Mix Six. But one of the things I'm really looking forward to on Party Foul is that <laughs> I will have someone who actually has training in like marketing and business to help me do those things. Yeah. And like even then, I've outsourced stuff. Like Bill has been fantastically helpful on helping me keep track of my finances and help yeah. me out with taxes and things like that. But, um, yeah, it's just an enormous time sink on, yeah. on something that is the least engaging part of, like, the antithesis of what you wanted to do with your life that you ended up writing RPGs on Kickstarter. Like, that's what shipping is. It's just, like, spreadsheets and forms and carefully worded emails and waiting interminably for people to do what they say they're going to do. And, yeah, and dealing with backers who range from extremely helpful and positive to you know death threats and like there's yeah and i I want to be clear like i couldn't have gotten through it without the enormously supportive uh red markets fan base i'm I'm, yeah i'm very aware that 99 percent of the people uh that backed the project have been nothing but like supportive or if they were concerned about shipping laws they were concerned about them justifiably and the shipping costs and they they said i'm worried i hope you find a solution for that and that was perfectly fine like I, that motivated me to keep going yeah um but yeah like when you it was just uh psychological weakness on my part when you write a 500 page book and you dedicate 5 years of your life to it and you release it for the first time like that even 1% of the comments were fuck you like it's just devastating yeah um yeah we over we overemphasize uh people overemphasize the negative versus the positive it's yeah, easy yeah yeah it's easy to to rationalize or ignore the positive oh he's just saying that versus the negative that's the truth you know yeah you, yeah, yeah very yeah. It, it uh jumps into your self criticism uh and it's it's an easy trap to get into yeah i mean there's the, there's a hundred pitfalls uh, in doing this and like you all, uh, you all see this reoccurring thing in a lot of kickstarters where you know they get so much hype at the beginning and then they dig themselves into holes that they can't have that they have pro- and you you were and you didn't do this you didn't like dig a hole that you couldn't get out of it's just um you know you you weren't offering t-shirts and but beach i mean towels. but that's the thing i almost did because like it was i guess it would be a year and a half ago at this point yeah. but like you remember our our like let's all get together as rppr i'll buy pizza yeah and let's talk about this kickstarter stuff and at one point bill's like are you sure you want to do dice and i'm like because we were talking about physical rewards and i'm like yeah. well it's one physical reward <laughs> what's the worst that could happen 
and and then the worst that could happen is that I increased all of my problems exponentially. Yeah. That's the worst thing. Like if I'd offered a third thing, I wouldn't be talking here right now. I'd be in Mexico, like trying <laughs> to avoid debtors jail. Like, uh, not to mention if I offered four or five or six things, like it's just brutal. Like it's a brutal and it's black box. Like you will throw work and money into it, and it's nearly impossible to figure out what's going on. At one point in Metatopia, someone suggested that I actually get on a plane and go to the UK to where it was happening and figure it. And I'm like, uh, and and that's the thing. Like these people are professional game designers. They they run companies all day. They have payroll stuff. Like I'd love to get there one day, but uh, you know, I'd already taken off three days of work to go to this convention. <laughs> yeah, and my kids were you know lighting my room. I was just jump cutting to my room where like they were starting fires and like you know going all Lord of the Flies on the substitute. And uh, you know that a lot of those things that would be perfectly rational if you ran the company full time or just absurd solutions to me is like, well, can I do it at midnight on a Tuesday after getting home from running a basketball game <laughs> <laughs> like, and having not slept in 16 hours? So keep this like, in mind when you're, when you're trying to set up your own Kickstarter for work life balances. Yeah. Know? Yeah. It's gotten way out of whack. And so, yeah, I, I will be honest. I'm perfectly, perfectly late on Almost all of the stretch goals. I'm working on it. I still have two chapters left in the novel before it's ready to edit. Uh, edit uh, not to mention to record. Um, I haven't written anything for uh, my other scenarios or contracted them out yet because it's just been such a Herculean task getting the core book out the door. Yeah. Um, and that said, like with it out and with the holidays coming up, um, they're going to stay late because I need a break. <laughs> Like I, I'm not ready to write red markets anything right now because I, you know, first off, my fictional voice has been destroyed after four months of emails and memos. Like you know, have you have you considered? You know, we say Kafka esque so often, but maybe <laughs> a Stokesian uh, novel of bureaucratic nightmare of red tape of corporate red tape uh, entangling you. Oh god, <laughs> I mean, maybe I got I have this damn zombie book first um but yeah i have uh you know you're working on upwind so yeah. we're stuck on best practices but i need to get carrying economy and eighty twenty, and then uh we need to do um trabajo yeah like I, all these things i can contract out but like this is the first this is the first weekend i've had in nearly t- two and a half months where it's not either frantically grading to catch up on my day job because I've been neglecting it for this or frantically emailing to catch up on so where are the books now like what's going on with the dice what disaster is this like last night I I ate dinner and we played a board game and it was like the best night of yeah like the best night I've had since my birthday (laughs) like and my birthday was pretty great but before that it was just you know an endless string of you know little chores so I'm probably not going to write anything <laughs> until after Christmas break. I'll be perfectly honest. Uh, sorry, it'll get done. I yeah. promise. Uh, we have the money now. We can make the stretch goals, but I cannot <laughs> do more without a break. Um, so, but that said, it's out. 
it's yeah. a physical thing that exists in people the world. People are playing it. People are loving people it. People playing it. Uh, you don't have you don't need three books to play it. It's yeah. all in one rule book. It's it looks real good. It holds it's up. Pretty. And smells good. People I, are getting dice. Yeah. So uh <laughs> Not something I would have imagined happening, uh, at definitely at this scale when we started this thing. Yeah. Um, so I can only imagine what it's going to be like once we start doing GDWs for Party Foul. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. you got some of that. You, you won that sword fight. Yeah. I won, covered, I won that sword covered fight. covered in bleeding wounds. Yeah. But I'm you, getting we, ready to go at it again against another weirder. We can bandage you up a little bit. Uh, yeah, let's hope so. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, uh, I'm definitely not the same person I was when we started doing this in, I don't know, was it well, 2013? Is, I mean, this, this <laughs> proves, yeah, yeah, uh, this proves that, you know, Kickstarter is not a pre-order store. I mean, it's for these artistic endeavors, and it's it's for these people trying these hurt, uh, I mean, a lot of people do use it as pre-order stores, but... Uh, and there's nothing wrong yeah, with the pro- no, Yeah, the the problem is that everyone's going to treat it that way. Yeah. They <laughs> yeah, do. That's, and they that's do. the death trap. And yeah. uh it, it's sort of impossible, but like if you're a person, you know, who cares about art, like this is the one way to get your 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 funding, you know, like uh, um whatever it is cuz Kickstarter's obviously, you know, not just games and tech gadgets and stuff like that. There's also, you know, films and yeah. dance and theater projects. But and you're most successful yeah. when you treat it like a sophisticated pre-order system. Yeah. On, on your end, in terms of then, yeah, in terms of business practices, and so and so backers have learned it that way. So like having started a Patreon since we started the yeah. Red Markets project, I feel like that's far more like we are trying to do this thing. Please yeah. help us do this thing, and it's uh, more artistically motivated. Even though I I still consider the Mix Six a product that I want people to you know enjoy, yeah. and hopefully support financially. But please back Mix Six on, on uh, yeah. Patreon. Plug plug plug. Uh, but. <laughs> But yeah, it's you. You've got to run it like a business, uh, or it's going to collapse. And then even if you are, like, there's just so many pitfalls. Yeah. If you've never done that before, I mean, because you know now you're playing on the business survivability scale, and that's yeah not good. So, so like, consider sword fighting yeah. levels of mortality and yeah. small. Businesses. Consider what so. you're trying to do. Don't try and imitate. You know what Reaper or what. Uh, Paizo or what anybody else who's kickstarting, you know, uh, is doing because, you know, those are, especially if they've done a dozen kickstarters and they're, you know, Reaper's miniatures, obviously they, they, they have a whole company of people who have experience doing this and you're not them. So like, yeah, if I'd have cut the book down to 200 pages and kept it black and white and pod, like I'd have been done, I'd have been done in June. Yeah. Like that's why I kept base Raiders as a print on demand. Yeah. Like, uh, so when you up, when you refuse to give stuff up, yeah. Uh, which arguably with the book, not arguably, definitely with the book being this long, I should have given more stuff up for artistic integrity, but it would still have been pretty long. Like I, I, I think I probably could have been more concise. God knows Laura thinks that, um, <laughs> but, uh, Past a certain point, we would have stopped being more concise and just started being less. Yeah, and that is a that is an artistic choice you have to make when you're in this business kind of thing. Because, yeah. like, if I sell every copy of Red Markets, it's not going to make back as much as we had when the Kickstarter met. Yeah, and I'm fine with that because, like, well, you'll be selling Red Markets now. For we're years, yeah, because so. now we're at like a cost neutral area. Yeah, and we've made money off of it with the pre order. We're finally turning any kind of profit that I don't have to instantly dump back into it. Yeah. Um. But it's still like if I sell every single copy at the maximum percentage through distribution, I still stand to make like forty grand. Yeah. 
if if every if I sell out completely um, on physical copies. So, and that's not going to happen because nothing sells that fast in the RPG industry. I haven't written Fifty Shades of Red Markets. Well, yeah, um, I mean, yeah, I think um, there's Zabaihander is selling very well, but that's literally like, hey, let's take Warhammer fantasy role playing game that's been around for thirty years and just strip out the Warhammer IP, and so like the nostalgia market. So. Yeah, yeah. If you're taking up like, or you know. Uh, something finder uh, taking a well-known game <laughs> and uh, uh, ripping it off or I'm sorry uh, innovating uh, that market's really good but if you're doing a totally original idea with a totally original system that has no existing fan base yeah and we'll see how, and, and we'll yeah. see how our con game goes we might we might have a later GDW about no. con work when you've got we should also do actually GDW with Laura and talk about editing yeah yeah oh god <laughs> maybe maybe you two should do that i don't know if i need to be in the room for that one uh yeah all yeah. right um but yeah it's i'm glad i did it uh it's enormously you know su- supportive of the group and edifying that yeah. people are, are reading it and unboxing it it makes me feel great but I mean, I'd be lying if I said it was a walk through the park. Yeah, uh, I don't want it to. You know, our ethos is fucking up in real time, and yeah. uh, I fucked up in a lot of ways, <laughs> and I I really blew up a lot of those mines. You watched him f- sword fight across maybe. the minefield. Yeah, learn uh, how to parry a little better. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> from his mistake. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I wouldn't. I, I'd be remiss if I said like, oh, it all it, it's all great because it wasn't, <laughs> but it, it all worked out. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, keep in mind, I think uh, one other lesson, the final lesson should be like, don't become, I mean, it's easy to become negative and like, like anxious about this stuff, but don't make conspiratorial or adversarial assumptions about people in the, the, the supply chain, essentially, you know, your fulfillment house. Oh uh, yeah. Hanlon's should- razor. Yeah. Uh, assume it's misunderstanding. Do not assume it's, yeah, do not, do yeah. not assume ill intent. Yeah. Uh, if had I done that in any phase of this process, we'd be a lot worse off. Yeah. And I'm not gonna lie; it's tempting when you get pissed off because yeah. people are talking. Oh yeah, about yeah. That's why I mentioned losing yeah. thousands of dollars. Like you really have to bite your tongue on a lot of instances. The, and these people want it out. The, these other people, these fulfillment centers, these shippers, these other, uh, they want to do their jobs and they want to make money, and they do that by helping you, not by you know conspiring against yeah I, I don't want anyone to think i've poo-pooing on any of the people that i worked with on this like yeah ipr has been great because a lot of people sent death threats to them over shipping yeah which is like the guy had had a relationship with me of a grand total of four days yeah and you know pa sweden's like i'm gonna fucking kill you you asshole like i yeah. can't believe you're doing this and like some random dickhead from europe is just giving him trouble it would have been so easy for him to say nah fuck this don't need it yeah moving on to something else but he didn't he stuck around and like mark you know the the problem with the defective thing was a weird statistical outlier not marks like carefully expecting the books to make sure backers would be happy when they got them yeah or or being sure that i don't go to prison for international mail crime (laughs) um those are all like really forthright and uh you know taking initiative and, and people working hard to get the book made but yeah you know, it's just it's a it's an uphill. You're ice skating uphill the whole time. Mm-hmm. Like it 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 doesn't get easier. Uh, I mean, I'm hoping it gets easier at some point. But like this is akin to religious faith at this point because <laughs> I have no evidence to prove that's the case. Um, so yeah, yeah. Do not assume ill intent. Waiting is almost always the answer. 
waiting and getting more information Mm -hmm. and not being rash is the only way you get through this. Yeah. Um, And that's just agony. It's agony after you've waited four years to launch it and waited another year to get it printed and, you know, that kind of stuff. So. All right. Uh, Well, hopefully, yeah, our next episode is a little more uh, (laughs) encouraging. But uh, this is the truth about Kickstarter. If if you're wondering, if you're still listening, you're still thinking about making your own project, this is the reality of it. Uh, (laughs) Especially if you go big. Um, Ransoms are easier. Yeah. Pod is great. <laughs> Friend on demand, yeah. Um, I mean, this is why when you think next time you hear about some Kickstarter fucking up, think about this, you know. And uh, Caleb got through the valley of the shadow of shipping. <laughs> yeah, but like, n- yeah, not, not everybody does. Not and also if like they just fucked up, they they might not be Ken Whitman. Like yeah. they might just have fucked up, or they might not have fucked. Or up. Or they might have had a mental breakdown. Or they might not have fucked up at all. They might have just been destroyed by some random twist of chance, like. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think of your creators, you should also use Hamblin's Razor. Don't assume you know, yeah. Ill, Ill intent until it's demonstrated. What I will say is this. If you are going to run a Kickstarter, um, I don't know why everyone doesn't do a monthly update. Yeah, it took it took time away from writing the book, and it took time away from doing stretch Yeah, goals, regular but, communications. But like doing at least one a month, that's it's not hard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and a random podcast is even easier. Uh, about it and that goes a long way because i can't imagine if i'd been like some kickstarters i back that like i back and then i don't hear from them until they're thinking about shipping a year later uh you don't even if 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 we'd had that like if my first update had been like the shipping fiasco yeah i can't imagine how much worse the bash backlash would have been yeah from that nonsense so um i mean you don't even have to do a podcast you could just literally use your phone to record a quick little video of you talking about yeah yeah uh or a webcam or whatever so and put it on youtube it's not hard to get the information to people and let them know where you're at if you don't want to write just talk into a camera and i apologize during the whole shipping nonsense that i had not communicated this stuff more often but like every time it looked like well this is career ending uh, and like, so I wanted to take time to say goodbye and I'm sorry every time until it ended up hashing out. Yeah. And then the next, second time it happened, I'm like, well, it looks career ending again, but I remember the maybe thoughts. I should yeah. wait. Maybe I should wait for, you know, this to hash out or something like that. And uh, so, yeah, I apologize that my uh, communication got delayed on some stuff when it just, you know, I, I just really didn't have enough information to yeah. move forward. Yeah. All right. Well, that's been episode 16. Shipping, Shipping, comma, comma, the the devil. devil. (laughs) Uh, I'll talk to you guys next time. Bye.